man, I have good things to say for you, and I would love for you to stand the whole time, but you'd be tired, so sit down. We are going to get started right now. To be open is to be expectant. And so when we are open, that's when God can speak to us. When we are open, that's where we can learn something. When we are open, that's where God shows us where we need to grow. We love things that are open. When the pickle jar gets open, that's a good thing. When flowers open, that's when they smell their best. When a walnut is cracked open, the seed inside is full of protein and energy and deliciousness. When a quarterback throws a football downfield, if the receiver is open, then yeah, yards can be gained and maybe even a touchdown. But if the receiver is not open, then either the play ends or maybe somebody who was open catches the ball and the game is changed. You see, when we are open, that's when we can learn. And here's what happens. When I pray, I pray bold prayers and I say, oh God, I need this in my life. I need for this to happen. God, I need you to fix something that is broken. And when it doesn't go my way, when it doesn't go the way that I thought it should do, I do this because I go, oh, God must not be listening to me. Or I say, oh, I must have done something wrong and God can't hear me anymore. Or I say, oh, Apparently he's not there, he's too busy with other things and I shut what I should have open. And I, and I keep moving like this and I keep going in this direction. But God tells me to be open. You see, uh, Psalm 32.8 says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. You see, God wants so much for us. He wants us to be open. But sometimes we're not. This week, oh, I love when God shows me things I need to know. This week I had conversations with a friend and uh, we were talking about being cared for and what it feels like to be cared for. And she's like, you know, I haven't felt that in so long, probably years that I haven't felt cared for. And I thought, oh, that's sad. And I felt empathy for her, but then I thought, wow, that's her problem. That's really too bad. And then I just kept moving because I'm like, I can feel for that, but that's not my problem. That's your problem. And I kid you not, the next day, I have another conversation with a friend, and I'm having this conversation, and it's the same thing about not being able to be feel, to feel cared for or think, I haven't felt cared for so long. I don't know how to receive any care. And in that moment, God smacked me upside the head, and he said, Sheila, this isn't their lesson. This is your lesson. Sheila, this is where you need to understand that what you do is you shut down, and you can't feel cared for, and you can't care for others because you shut down because I didn't do things the way you wanted to, Sheila. I didn't do things the way you want. So then you stay busy at work or you stay busy with other things or you scroll on your phone and you cannot be open to me. And I heard in that moment like, oh, I need to be open to what God is telling me. I need to be able to listen, to know that we can all be cared for. We can understand that no matter what decision I have ever made in my life, what decision you have ever made in your life does not allow you to not feel care. You should always feel the love of God. You should always be a place where you can be open to see what God has for you and to know that he has so much for you. No matter where you are, you can feel cared for. You can feel loved. You can be open to hear new ideas from other people and still be okay. You can be open to love people who have a different opinion than you and still be okay. You can be open 
to feel cared for even when everything feels like garbage around you. You can say, oh no, God still cares for me and I'm gonna be open. To be expectant is to be open, open to what God has for you, open to hear what God is teaching you because in every conversation, in every encounter you have, there's a lesson for you to learn in every way. Instead of just saying, oh God, you're talking to those other people. I hope they hear that lesson because woo, they need it. No, 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 no. I need to be open to say, God, what is it that you need me to hear? God, what is it that you want me to know? Because then I can love others better. I can care for others better. I can step into all that God has for me because I'm open. To be expectant is to be open. Hi, Be Hope. Uh, my name is Joseph Jenkins, and to be all in is to be expectant. So first, I want to talk about the first year of my marriage. So I didn't know that when you got married, that what's yours is hers, and hers is hers. Yeah, like I must have completely missed that in, in the fine print when I signed. Like if you're about to be, or if you are a newlywed, or you're about to be, guys, trust me, it, it's in there, but... Anyways, let, let, me, let, me, let me be serious. So uh, the first year of my marriage, um, I had made a commitment to my wife, but I wasn't all in. You know, at the time of my life, I was so consumed with work. You know, we had just started a new company. We were buying and selling houses, acquiring rentals, and we had just bought our house in Beaver Creek. Um, about six months in, things kind of made a turn for the worst. Amanda slaps down divorce papers. You know, I feel like sometimes in life, we don't ever realize there's a problem, like until there is a problem. Like, cause I completely missed all, all of the red flags, you know, but looking back, can I, can I tell you what happened? I got comfortable. I started going through the motions. I was there physically, but I, I wasn't there mentally. I wasn't there mentally. I assumed, did you, did you catch that? I assumed that Everything that I was doing was for us, but in all reality, it, it was for me. So let, let me fast forward to 2021. Every year I tell my wife, this is gonna be a make or break year for me. And every year it is always a make, always, until 2021. 2021 broke me mentally, physically, emotionally, and financially. <clears throat> I remember sitting there in the living room and my wife, she, she comes in the room and if you're married, you know, man, I know you guys know when your wife comes in and she gives you that look like it's about to go down. Yeah, that, that, was the, that was the look. So she comes in and she sits down on the couch and she says, hey, honey, we got a problem. I'm like, yeah, we don't have enough money in our business account to make payroll this week. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's kind of a bad place. Um, you know, looking back again, can I, can I tell you what happened? I got comfortable. I started going through the motions. I wasn't all in. You know, Behope, I don't know where you are right now. Like with work, either with school, in your marriage, being a parent, you know. I'm sure sometimes you feel like you're just going through the motions. Can I, uh, can I make a suggestion? Go all in with God. You know, when Amanda slapped down divorce papers, I gave God an inch of my life. When I was physically exhausted and I felt like I couldn't give anymore, I gave God an inch. 
When work was out of control and I'm working 80, 90 hours a week, I gave God an inch. When I was come home and I would drink a half a bottle of bourbon a night, I gave God an inch. And then lastly, in my lowest of lows, when I thought about suicide, yeah, I gave God an inch. You know, three months ago, Behope, I stopped giving God an inch of my life. I actually went all in. Can I tell you mentally, I have never, ever felt better because I'm no longer in control. He's in control. Physically, I've never felt stronger. I'm not carrying those weights anymore that I used to carry. And lastly, ooh, this is, this is a good one. I made a bold move at work. You know, I recognized that in my home life that I needed to be present more. So I told all the guys, I mean, if you're a business owner, you, you know how bold this is, is I'm like, we're, gonna only, we're only gonna work four days a week instead of five. Can I tell you, I just came off a record month in January, all because of God. I went all in with God. Can I tell you that I am a strong, strong believer that life begins at the end of your comfort zone? Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Be hope, all in is to be expected. Thank you. Be hope. To be childlike is to be expectant. When I was a kid, I used to pray to God for everything. If I was nervous about a math quiz, and especially on the night before gym class where I had to climb the rope, I would pray that God would magically give me upper body strength and I could reach the top. And it never happened. But I believed and I had awe in God. And I believed that every prayer that I prayed to him and every conversation that we had mattered to him. You see, when I was a kid, I knew who God was. You see, I knew he had this son who died for us, and I knew that that was a really big deal. But I didn't fully understand the gravity of that situation. You see, I knew who God was, but I never had that true personal relationship with him. But even though I never had that true personal relationship with him, I was in such awe and wonder of everything I had ever heard about him that it was easy to trust him. But something shifted when I became a teenager in my relationship with God. I started to resent him a little bit because I felt as though there was prayers that I was praying that were going unanswered. And I learned about how hurt and how broken the world was. And it seemed as though that God, when I invited him into my problems, that I was being selfish to invite him into them because they felt so small. And so I began to get frustrated with him because I had pain seep into my life. And it seemed as though he was doing nothing to take it away. You see, when I became a teenager, I never had a true foundation in Christ. So when things didn't go my way, guess what? I figured it out on my own. You see, I continued to learn about who God was, but my trust within him started to fade at the exact same time. I had never fully put my faith within him, so I never fully saw his true potential within my life. I'd walked through life so long at this point, just fixing things on my own, that the thought of leaning into and trusting God seemed pointless. As I grew older, my faith became something that secured my eternity rather than something that transformed my life. You see, as I got older and older, I started to realize that my faith was within myself and not the one who is capable of completely transforming my life. So I continued to walk through life on my own strength, and I got to this point where I was tired of living life running from God. 
I grew tired of living a life of cynicism. I was tired of living a life with expectations set low just so I would never be disappointed. I grew tired of living a life with no hope. I grew tired of living within strongholds that I was never intended to live in. And so I prayed to God that he would renew the awe and wonder in my relationship with him. And he told me, Molly, in order to grow, you need to go back to being like a child. You see, I was tired of living life with no solid direction. I was tired of hearing about a God who is capable of transforming my life, who is capable of redeeming my story, but not actually putting in the work necessary to see it happen within my own life. So I asked God, and he told me that my next steps needed to be, in order to grow, I needed to learn how to be a child. To be childlike, I had to return to when I first learned of God's grace and God's mercy and God's forgiveness. And I had to trust and to be humble enough to stand in awe of the faithfulness of God. To be childlike, I had to continue to learn about the grace and mercy that God has for us, but then actually recognize the power and love within that relationship. I had to put myself into the shoes of a kid who hears about God for the first time and believes from the very beginning. To be childlike, I had to step away from being preoccupied with systems and busyness and the way things should be. And I had to step into the divine encounter and embrace what was accessible to me. You see, to be childlike, I had to stop lying to myself, saying that I was better off walking through life on my own agenda, on my own time, within my own strength. I need to finally humble myself and start a relationship that will change my life forever. To be childlike, I had to go back to being content, not fully understanding everything about God. You see, to be childlike, I had to learn how to give everything up for the first time and be okay with not knowing what the next step is. You see, I had to put myself into this childlike mindset where I'm dependent on the love and the power that God has for each and every single one of us. You see, in Matthew 18, we see this encounter that the disciples have with Jesus, and they come to him and they ask, Jesus, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus responds by calling a child over, and he sets him down in front of the disciples, and he looks at them, and he says, truly, I tell you, unless you change to become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Be Hope Church, we have a front row seat to watch the redemption and the restoration of new believers' lives every weekend and within our own lives. And that should do something to make you in awe of God because we serve a God who is restoring broken marriages, who is breaking addictions, and who is shattering shame that has lasted for generations and generations because we serve a God who is bigger than anything our adult minds can understand. You see, we cannot allow some of that hurt and pain that comes along with growing up to get in the way of our ability to expect God to move in each and every aspect of our lives. Because be hope to be childlike is to be expectant. Stand firm is to be expectant. Surprising to probably none of you, I don't really know anything about football. So um, I wouldn't have known it was the Super Bowl this weekend if it wasn't that I was a part of the service here, in fact. Uh, I'm a baseball gal. We grew up playing ball, and I really enjoy baseball. My husband and I met in college, and both of us were playing. I was playing softball, and he was playing baseball at the time. And so as we really enjoyed that sport, we would go to the hitting facility and, you know, toss the ball or do some hitting and whatnot, and that's how we'd spend our time. So this one particular day, we decided it would be a good idea that he would pitch to me, and I would step into the batter's box. It wasn't a good idea. Uh, so um, this little bit of competitiveness that I have, you know, I really wanted to be able to hit the ball, but I suspected and really trusted that he was going to take it a little bit easy on me. He wasn't really going to bring all of the speed, right? And so everything was going well, but he also had the urge to be impressive. 
So he decided he would start throwing the curveballs and throwing the sliders and whatnot. And so here comes the next pitch, and it was kind of high and outside. And uh, before I knew it, it came down and drilled me right on the inside of my foot here. Now, I was a complete idiot and wearing sandals at the time. <laughs> so it hit me right in that soft spot. And I'm telling you what, it hurt and it brought me down. John remembers that being one of our very first fights. I don't remember it that way. We still got married. It's okay. <laughs> You know, sometimes life throws you a curveball, and then there's other times where you feel like you've been hit by the pitch, and life can get hard. I know that there's many of you here today who felt like you've been hit by the pitch, and you don't see the end. There was a time in our life about five years ago when we were living in Benin and working there. We'd been building up a ministry, and we'd poured our life into it. We, we, this became our family, and the powers that be at the time, the uh, political powers and social powers and the people who were in charge of the ministry that we were working under decided that they wanted to take over and to take control of everything, and we were just crushed. You know, we were in this place. We were crying out to God, God, how could you let this happen? Where would the... Where are you in all of this? And you know what we tend to do when we feel like we're crying out to God and we don't hear his response? Our temptation is to start looking for other options. Certainly, I need to take this on. I need to do something about it because in this waiting, I don't see you working. I can't see you working in this idleness. There's all of this unknown before me, and I'm so scared of what's going to happen. And the Lord spoke to us as we were crying out to him. He said, let me remind you of Moses. When Moses was, was sent to deliver God's people from the hands of the Egyptians when they were in slavery, God let them out. But then they came out into the desert, and they were standing before the Red Sea. And they were in a pickle. You ever been in a pickle? In baseball, if you're in a pickle, you're probably screwed. <laughs> but we were looking for other options. And so, um, God, the Israelites were crying out to their leader and saying, why have you brought me to this place? Wouldn't it have been better had we just died in Egypt? Why would we come and die out here in the desert? And God spoke to me as, as Moses spoke to them. And in these verses in Exodus 14 says this, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. When I was looking and I was trying to find a way that I was going to get out of this situation, that we were going to be able to come through and have everything that we asked for from the Lord, the Lord said, stop. Stand firm. The battle is mine. And it is for me to fight for you. Be expectant that I will deliver you. Be expectant that this is how I am going to fight for you. And so the Lord spoke to us, and that's all we could do at that point. And I could encourage you as well, if you are in that time where you feel like you've been hit by the pitch, that you would stand firm. To stand firm is to be expectant that God will do the impossible thing. As he did for the Egyptian, or as he did for the Israelites, he opened up the Red Sea. He does the impossible. That which man cannot do, God will do on your behalf. And they walked through the sea on dry ground and he delivered them. Now listen, our story didn't turn out the way we had hoped for it to. It didn't turn out the way that we thought and asked that God would deliver us. We were in fact still removed from the situation that we were in. We were removed from this ministry that we were under and we were crushed. But all we could do was say, stand firm. God told us to stand firm because he's still fighting even when I can't see what he is doing. I have to make a choice to stand firm and trust and expect that there is something else that is going to happen. I have to have this deep understanding that there is more beyond what I can see and understand. And what the Lord did not do for us in that time was actually what he was doing for us in that time for the next season because the next thing that he brought us into was more and better than we could have ever expected. And he blew the doors open. He blew it open. 
Now listen, there have been other times in my life where I have been hit by a pitch and I did not get anything. I felt like I have never had the answer to that. But I'm reminded of these three guys in Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were told that if you don't bow down and worship this statue, we will throw you into the fiery furnace. And this is how they respond. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Listen, this is what they're saying. They're saying, we're not going to bow down. We're going to stand up. We are going to stay standing, and we're going to stand firm. And you know what? Even if it doesn't turn out the way I have asked for it to turn out, Our God is still God, and we will stand firm in that. We will stand firm and expect of him, and even if, because here's the deal. Even if says, my hope isn't in what the circumstance is going to turn out to be. My hope is in Jesus. I don't have to focus on what life is doing to me because I can focus on the fact that God is with me through anything, no matter what. To stand firm is to be expectant. When you sit down at a restaurant, what does the waiter say? Welcome to our restaurant. Hope you enjoy your stay. We've got a list full of specials that you can choose today. Save room at the end. I'll bring a dessert tray. Okay, you decide to have a burger and some fries, couple of onion rings, a soda on the side. How you like your burger? Now you must decide. Will it be the vegetables or bacon a mile high? You say, give me a ton of bacon and a ton of cheese. No lettuce, no tomato, and no onions, please. The waiter says, okay, I'll 86 all the veggies. Here's my concept today. Is everybody ready? To 86 means to take away the things you don't need. 86, lust, hate, jealousy, and greed. 86, sin out my life like God commands. Shout out to Jesus Christ, a.k.a. the Son of Man. First Thessalonians 5, we come alive. The scripture gives a blueprint on how we're going to thrive. It says, stay away from every kind of evil. Hold on to what is good, the will of God's people. 86, gossip. 86, pride. 86, gluttony. Rasloff for envy. To be obedient is to be expectant that God has a blueprint for your fulfillment. To live abundantly, a holy, a set apart, to live with purpose, a clarity, sincerely, I urge you to walk in obedience. Follow Christ. What does that look like in everyday life? Fruits of the Spirit and the Great Commission. Live holy, biblically, spiritually. Speak life. Give thanks and testimony. And always acknowledge the big homie. I walk in obedience even when I can't see. I walk in expectations of the plans he has for me. This is my parting rhyme. This is my last plea. If you want to come alive, 86, everything you don't need. Now, Be Hope Church, I need everybody to stand on your feet. Hey, DJ, drop that beat. Hands up like this. Hands up like this. Be Hope Church, here we go. One time. To be obedient is to be expected. Here we go. There's snakes all around trying to walk. Vote chills while I'm trying to breathe. I supersede, then proceed. 86, why I don't need? Need that real talk. Speak life and let hate stop. Breathe like side hip hop. My king is on top. Y'all can't stop me. 
Fear is never gonna top me. Win, loss, loss, I turn to you. I'm focused. Got a better view, I'm focused. On the throne, double down, my patience gone. When there's nothing left, I'm still up and I rep. Hands up. Do you know what time it is? Now, do you know what time it is? Do you know what time it is? Do you know what time it is? trying to walk, vultures while I'm trying to breathe. I supersede, proceed, 86 why I don't need. That real talk, speak life and let hate stop. Breathe like side hip hop, my king is on top. How you living? Locked down this prison. You hated on, passing on this chance of life you've been given. Trying to keep it 100, trying to keep it so true. Don't stop what you doing. People need that real hands up. Now be home church at the count of three. Do you know what time it is? I wanna see this whole room jumping. Hold it down, my whole Here we go. Hold it down, my whole Here we go. Hold it down, my whole One, two, three, jump. Turn up. Woo! Somebody go, hey, 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 hey. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, 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 hey. Hands up, hands up. To be obedient is to be expected. We 86 hate. We 86 pride. We 86 greed. We 86 everything. We don't need. Hi, my name's Robbie Brown, and to be lost is to be expectant. And I know for some of you, you think I misspoke when I just said that, and I'm not talking about the lostness that comes when you've got a lost set of keys, or you've got a lost wallet, or you didn't listen to your GPS, and now you're lost geographically because you thought you knew better than the GPS. Those aren't the things that I'm talking about today. Those are inconveniences, but those aren't the real struggles. I'm talking about what it means to be lost in life, lost for direction, lost for purpose, lost not suring what your next move is. You see, in this life, we have a lot of choices to make. And those choices, we understand, impact our future. But since we can't tell what the future holds, those choices can hold a lot of weight, and they can be a little overwhelming, and they can be a little terrifying. We think about questions of where, we're, where we will be in five years or where we will be in 10 years. We think about the job and the career we're in and where we want that to take us or what job we will go into or what career we will enter, and that's intimidating. Or maybe you're in a season of transition, and you're not even sure that you can land the job in the first 
place, and this can be overwhelming. High schoolers and college-age folks, I think of you specifically because there's so much to think through, so much to decide. I think of how you're exit, when you're exiting high school, you've got to figure out your career or your college, and then if you are doing career, what career are you going into? If you are going into college, what college and what degree will you be pursuing? All of this can come with a lot of unclarity, a lot of confusion, a lot of feeling lost, a lot of praying and a lot of wondering, does God even see me here as I'm trying to figure out and navigate my life? And I tell you what, God, in my life, God has not been one that has always told me everything and told me where I'm going and what I'm doing. For those of you that God tells you everything, I'm a little bit jealous, but he doesn't do that with me and maybe he doesn't do that with you. But he opens up doors and opportunities that sometimes when you take steps forward, you don't even know where you're going. I wanna share with you today that when we feel lost, God may be doing his very best work yet. In Isaiah chapter 40, I'm going to share what the prophet Isaiah says in verses 27 through 31. He's speaking to the people of Israel. He says, why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But hear this. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Say that with me. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on the wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Today, you may feel like the Israelite people did in the beginning of this passage, saying, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by God. But just as God reminds us in this passage, he is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, and there is no way possible that he does not see you. Your way is not lost in him. His eyes are on you, and he reminds us of that in this passage. When we feel like our way is lost, when our future is uncertain, and when we're unsure of where we even begin to go from here. Verse 31 gives us that reminder, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And here's what's cool. Some versions translate that as those who wait on the Lord. So this season may seem like you're lost and you may feel like you're wondering and you may feel like you're waiting forever, but this is a season where God's doing his work of renewing your strength. When we don't know where to turn, when we don't know what path to go, go down, we can be confident that if we wait expectantly for our God to move, that if our hope is in him, our God will certainly re renew our strength. And even when we feel lost, even when we're not sure what direction to turn, we can still move forward. If our hope is in the everlasting God, if our hope is in Jesus, we can move forward even when we don't have all the answers, even when there's not perfect clarity, even when we're struggling to see what the future will be because our understanding, that can wait, but our obedience to the everlasting God cannot. And in Romans 5, 5, it says this, that this hope will not lead to disappointment. So be Hope Church, you can rest assured today that when your hope is in Jesus, you can take steps forward in your faith, even when you feel lost, even when clarity is not close to being seen, even when you feel paralyzed by fear, you can move forward because you serve a God who loves you. You serve a God who knows everything about you. And so today, to be lost is to be expectant. Thank you. Oh, man. Be Hope, what an amazing weekend. How fun are you having today? A lot of fun, having a good time. Uh, God, you guys are having fun.
Hey, if you're new today, I want to let you know that a lot of times when I speak, I'm not angry. I'm just really passionate. And so last night I was talking with my wife, Janelle, and I said, maybe I should smile more. And my son said to me, he said, if you smiled as much as you moved, you'd be a pro. (laughs) So good. Anyway, uh, today I want to talk to you about to be present is to be expectant. To be present is to be expectant. I wonder how many of you have ever dreamed of going to the actual Super Bowl game. Anybody out there? Yeah, I've dreamed about it for about five seconds, and then I realized it would be a waste of money. Why? Because I've been to a lot of sporting events. I've been to Buckeye games. I've been to Bears games. I've been to Bengals games. I've been to Chiefs games. I've been to Reds games. I've been to all these games. And my family has this tradition where we like to talk about our favorite play after we leave the stadium. And here's the problem for me. As we talk about our favorite play because it's the thing we didn't expect, it was where the unimaginable happened in the game. And uh, I know whether our team won or lost, but when it comes my turn to talk about my favorite play, I can never come up with one. Why? Because I am always distracted. I'm distracted by the beer and and cotton candy vendors. I'm distracted by the diehard sitting next to me wondering at what point in the universe did it become acceptable, become this stupidly passionate about moving something as stupid as a ball up and down the field. Are you, are you with me on this? I'm distracted by the digital ads. I'm just like a kid at a candy store. Whoa, that's so cool. I'm distracted by what people are wearing. I'm distracted by what people aren't wearing. I mean, how cool is it that you can root for your team shirtless in freezing temperatures? I realized for me, it would be a waste to go to a Super Bowl because the greatest struggle in my life is learning how to be present because to be present is to be expectant. But before I can take you there, I have to take you there because to be absent is to be empty. See, what I know in my own life is sometimes I feel a shadow of who I'm supposed to be because I'm giving part of me to everything but not giving everything to what's in front of me. Somebody once asked me, they said, why in your mission statement do you say that you want to be fully present and fully alive? They said, if you're present... Aren't you alive? And I said, my greatest struggle in life that I am physically present, but I am mentally absent. And if I'm mentally absent and physically present, can I be fully alive in the moment? See, sometimes I wonder if this is why I feel so empty. I wonder if this is why you feel so empty because I am absent to the gratitude that I should give God, but instead I'm critical and cranky because he hasn't shown up yet. Sometimes I am absent to acknowledge the blessings that God has given in my life because I'm just waiting for more of those blessings to come. Sometimes I am absent to the meaningful conversation that my wife is having with me about how she has changed some little student's life because I'm too busy thinking about the conversation we had an hour ago or the one I'm gonna have tomorrow. Sometimes I am absent in the joy of my kids and their hard work and their amazing grades because I'm thinking about all the work that I have to do and the deadlines that are ahead. Sometimes I am empty and absent in my faith because I decided to give God my last minute scraps instead of my first early morning 
best. I wonder for you if you feel empty in your life and faith because you're giving half of who you are to all that God is calling you to be. I hear people say all the time, it's good enough to move on. Can I tell you, church, it is never good enough for you to move on if you are only giving half of who you are to all that God is wanting from you, church. This is why Paul says it this way. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, he says, stand firm and let nothing move you. Let nothing distract you. Do not be absent. He says you need to be present. And how does he say it? Always be fully committed to the work of the Lord. Paul says you got to be fully committed to the work. You got to be fully committed to God. What is he saying? You have to be present to be expectant. Because to be expectant is to expect God would do more than you could dream or imagine in your life. Let me say it this way. When I was a student pastor, I decided to take my kids to a sporting KC soccer game. And I realized that it's sacrilegious to talk about soccer on Super Bowl Sunday. But some of you would say that's the real football anyway, right? Okay, just a few soccer fans. And so we go to this game, and I'll never forget, like, I'm not sure how this is going to go. And there is no score in soccer traditional fashion in the first half. And my students are looking at me, and they're like, this game sucks. Can we leave? And I said, no, your mom and dad paid a lot of money for you to be here. You will suck it up. You will be here. You will be present. And you will watch this game till it ends, and you'll like it. And then in the second half, uh, the other team comes out and scores two goals. Going into the 87th minute, can I just let you know the 87th minute and you're down two, ain't nobody staying for that game. And the kids are like, can we please go? And I'm like, would you please just shut your mouth and stay? And in the 87th minute, in the 87th minute, Kansas City scored their first goal. And I looked at them like, nah, 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 I told you so. And they're like, we still have two more to go. And then about 45 seconds later after kickoff, guess what? The second goal from Sporting KC went in. And they're looking at me, and they're like, so you're telling me there's a chance. Some of you got that. And in the 90th minute, I will never forget the moment when that third ball went into the corner of the goal. And I tell you what, the stadium erupted. My students who were bored out of their minds stood to their feet. And this was the scene. We were cheering. We were yelling. We were screaming. Like it was unreal what we just witnessed. See, what I know is when I look at that picture, I go back and think, Brad, in that moment, you were fully alive. You were fully alive. But see, But see, think about this, to see that comeback, to see the unimaginable, we had to be present, present throughout the entire journey. Some of the greatest advice that has ever been given to me is this. They said, Brad, you need to be faithfully present to the people and the places that God calls you. Sometimes people ask me, why don't you have social media? Do you not like it? Listen, I love social media, but here's two reasons why I don't. One, I know will be addicted. And two, I always say this, I only have time for the people in front of me. 
And people don't like that reason. And so I had to write my own little vision statement for why I'm not on social media and say this, I will live with a powerful presence in a world that is disengaged and disconnected from the healthy relationships. I will live fully present to people and strategically give my time to those who ask and intentionally move them forward in their life and their faith. See, what I'm learning is that God has given me one tool and it's not wisdom or intellect. You already know that. (laughs) The one tool that I'm really realizing God has given me is the power to be present to people. Because if I am present to them, then I get to see God do more than I could ever dream or imagine. Oh, come on, let's celebrate it. Church, can, can I say this to you today? That maybe the surprise you're looking for is right around the corner. You just need to show up. Maybe the greatest connection you could make with someone this week is not sharing your contact information, but simply making eye contact. See, I wonder what would happen if you decided to be present to your job, be present to your home, be present to your kids, be present in the middle of your chemo, be present in your deployment, wherever you are, online, Ironton, Beaver Creek, wherever you are in this Dayton area, what would it look like for us to be present to those things? Maybe your job would be less monotonous. Maybe your marriage would be less familiar in a good way. Maybe your kids would feel invested in, and I wonder, I wonder for you guys, if your friends would deal less with depression and suicidal thoughts if you were simply present to them. Can I encourage you in your faith today? If you have no faith, if you're new in faith, if you've been in faith your entire life, what if we decided to be people who said, We will not be moved. We will not be shaken. We will not be distracted. We will not be absent, but we will stand firm. We will show up. We will go all in and we will be present, present to God and to the people around us. You're saying, Brad, how how do I do that? Take your cue from your creator. Sometimes I think we think God approaches us the way we see our relationships with people. Sometimes I think we think God approaches us with a phone in his face. Stop taking your cue from half-committed, overextended, virtually addicted, narcissistic, self-indulgent people and take your cue from your creator who teaches you how to be expectant. Here's what it says. Here's how I know that. Watch what God does. He says, God is our refuge and strength. He is our ever, he is our ever present help in a time of trouble. Notice it doesn't say he's only present sometimes. He's only present when you're good enough. He's only present when you pray hard enough. It doesn't say he's only present when he feels like it. It says that God is ever present. He is faithfully, forever, continually, consistently committed to you and present to you in your time of trouble. Church, I believe this with my heart that God is present in your pain. He is present in your loss. He is present in your trauma. He is present in your frustration. He is present in your doubts. He is present in your questions. God is present to you through everything that you're going through. And I believe that God is present in your deepest need. And you're saying, Brad, what is my deepest need? Sometimes 
your deepest need is not your physical need, but it's your spiritual need. See, how do I know that? Because the Bible tells us that all have sinned, we've all screwed it up at some point in our lives. Like we've really made a mess of it. But then it says in Romans 3 verse 25, it says this, that God presented, God presented his son as an atonement through the shedding of his blood that's so you could receive it by faith. Think about that, that God presented. Can I just tell you this? That to make a presentation, you have to be present. I could not give you this message if I wasn't here. Some of you, you gotta figure that out in your job. You gotta be present to make a presentation. But years ago, the greatest presentation in history ever came to us because God wanted us to know that he believes you are worthy of his love, that you are worthy of his forgiveness, that you are worthy of his grace, that you are worthy of his power in your life. And the only way that he could make that presentation to you is to be present in this world. And so he sent his son, Jesus, to be present. Oh, church, have you thought about this? If Jesus decided to be absent, how empty would we be in our lives? But instead, your God is faithful to you. And what we know is that Jesus was present when they laughed at him. They was present when they mocked him. He was present when they beat him. He was present when they put the crowns on his head. He was present when they nailed his arms to the cross. He was present when all of his followers walked away. And he was present until it was finished because God was fully committed to letting you know that he absolutely loves you and adores you, church. He adores you, which is why today I say to you, it's time to come alive. Stop feeling like you're empty. Stop feeling like you're disengaged from everyone around you. Come alive by giving everything you have to the God who loves you. Would you stand in the, with me in this moment? See, I'm convinced that we, we are present to God we can be expectant that he will do more in our life and in our faith than we could ever imagine. God's gonna give you strength. God's gonna give you help. God's gonna give you victory wherever you are. You just have to be present to him. And so Romans 10, nine says this to us, that if we declare with our lips that Jesus Christ is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God's power in his spirit raised him from the grave, guess what? You will be saved you will be saved. That is it. No complications. So today I want to give us that opportunity. Today we live differently. Today we're no longer empty. And today we go all out. We go all in with God. Some of you need to pray that prayer for the first time today. Some of you have already prayed it. But let's do this together. Pray this with me. Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world that he gave his life to forgive my sins. And he was raised from the grave so that I may have life. I receive your grace by faith. Come into my life. I will follow you. Church, can I tell you online today, somebody prayed that prayer and they gave their life to Jesus. Can we celebrate and raise our hands in this moment that God is moving, that God is changing lives and it will not be the same. Amen, amen, amen.